Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. With me today is Mountain Man. Spent way too much time alone in the mountains, I think, Brian Martin. Depends on if you consider Sally and her four sisters alone. <laughs> As I said, to my left is Sally. And uh, across the table, the one and only... Bleep. Let's call him Bleep. Not Brian uh, Leslie, but Bleep. bleep. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. I honestly... Oh, and then to my right... Uh, oh, you know... Yeah, to my right... Yeah, don't... No, no, no. Yeah. Hold on. To my right is Brad Bradley Ray Dana. Hey, remember, I can edit this. I have control of this. I got the last word. Exactly. What? 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 Did you guys hear something in the background? Sounded like a poodle barking. But anyway. So anyway. Don't talk about that. No. Yeah. I'm going to talk. No. About no. It. Don't Brad, talk about so it until got we got Brad Dana to my right, and then uh, now I'm already being told what to talk about today because we're going to talk about ibex. And uh, hunting ibex overseas, which I'm because you can't hunt them here. Actually, you can hunt ibex here. Yep. New Mexico or Nevada, right? Um, New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico. Nevada, no. New Maybe Mexico. in a zoo. Floridians. Uh, 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 Floridians in, in New Mexico. Uh, the Florida, Florida Mountains. But anyway, hey, if you're, uh, um, if you're joining us today for the first time and you enjoy this, uh, share it, you know. Um, let, let people know where we're at. I don't know where you uh, are finding us, but uh, subscribe to Hunt the World. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many other locations. Also, if you feel inclined, give us an honest rating. We, we, it helps us. Uh, we love to share our knowledge, our, our uh, vendors' knowledge, uh, people from the industry that are bringing you great products and uh, making hunting, fishing, and your outdoor experience better. So make sure you hook uh, them up with the information that you get here. Let's share it. Let them know that you enjoyed it. We appreciate you listening for sure. i got to tell you something. These guys don't want me to tell you. But. Um, bleep will take care of it anyway. No, we're until not, we're done. If this gets bleeped out, I'm going to find a new bleep. Um, so anyway. Not until we have that um, signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm not Please gonna, don't put that in, bleep. I'm not going to mention the name oh, of it. Okay. But if you seriously want to look at something that could help you significantly, we have memberships annually for 50, 150, and 500. They come along with application services. They come along with concierge services. They come along with a lot of great value. But one of the things I'm most proud of that we're doing in our membership mm -hmm. is these video academies or the, the video um, library, if you will, a gallery, whatever you want to call it, that's going to be on here that you can go, you want to learn how to adjust a pack? You guys had, you guys had literally $7,000 worth of packs here the other day or more. Mm -hmm. um, boots, you want to know how to fit boots, orthotics. You want to know how to grow up a mountain. You want to know optics. We have one of the leading foremost authorities on all that. 
um, Brian Martin here. We probably had seven thousand dollars in boots here that day. We, uh, well, for, for sure, three, three, three thousand. A uh, boots alone, but I bet you anything. I was thinking when I, I did the quick math in my head. I'm like, there's seven grand worth, five to seven worth of packs sitting over there. Um, you, you know, you had twelve packs at five to seven hundred bucks. Do the math. I mean, it's well, there might have been a couple that were less than that. now. maybe. Um, yeah, that Alps pack wasn't very expensive. Everything yeah, the else old, was the expensive. Low, even the old low Alpine was probably still four hundred when Au you contraire. bought it. Contraire, that Alps pack that you had there. Yeah. On our site, member price, four seventy nine. Oh, it's an ex it's it's probably their flagship. It pack. is. It's their flagship. And that's it's a real that's pack. Been a good pack for us. Yeah, I mean we've, we've used, used it quite a bit. A little heavy, but it, yeah, it, so it, it, it that's you what know. You, that's the difference is you pay for weight on, especially in that right. one and quality buckles. You know. But anyway, yeah. the, the video libraries go be be a member. Go check us out. You know what I'm saying? Um, we, we would love to help you, serve you, work for you. That's our intention, just like this. And if nothing else, don't become a member. Listen to this. Share it with your friends, and we'll educate you. Love talking to you each week. So uh, let's go Ibex. Okay, I got to tell you. Ibex have always intrigued me. Never got too excited about them until I met um, Tracy Valdez. He went over shot a, a Marco Polo with Brian. And then... We we need to get Tracy on but, this. But also, I don't know how you're going to hunt. But Ibex he also got an Ibex on that trip. Yeah. No, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. The, the coolest thing when I got back was seeing that Ibex mounted, and then you brought. We we've had an Ibex in our booth this last year, and uh, I'm yeah, just. Yeah, we like, had a Spanish Ibex in the booth. I'm 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 not. I've never shot one, but I'm addicted already. I can't wait to you. see uh, to see you when we start skinning one. Um, oh, with your smell. pregnant nose. I can't even handle. Deal. Them. I can't even handle. Just smell mounted. it. You can smell them ten years later. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. You know, it's, anyway, I, I don't know that it's terrible. It's pungent. Is it, it's unique. Isn't that a better, a better word than terrible? Skunk is terrible. Well, I don't, I don't well, find that. Baby no, I know poop people, is terrible. Okay, taste is subjective. And I know people that go, oh, a, conk, a, a, <laughs> a, skunk, a skunk smells good. Okay? A skunk smell. And I'm like... No, rock maybe compared to an Aboriginal sitting along the highway in um, Northern Territories, but other than that, no, it doesn't smell good. Right, but some people like like. But anyway, I can't I can't handle the smell. I cannot handle the smell of uh, much. I'm maybe. sure there's gynecologists that would beg to differ that a skunk smells better. Okay, that's, uh, you, that's <laughs> that was for you, Doctor Bleep. If you're joining us back, and you, what was that bleep for? That dead air? That, that was, was Brian fine. Martin. <laughs> hey, let's talk about Ibex. Ibex. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm Ibex. excited to go. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Ibex? Brian? Let, let, let's break this down into four areas. Pro, um, let's break it down to species, okay? Territories, okay? Which might be, yeah. in, in, and then and then let's talk about regions more like yeah. Yeah. Let's let's um, species, regions, physical. Um, Exertion, like okay. so easy to hard, and then price. Uh, do you want to start low or you want to start high? You want to start easy? You want to start, <laughs> start hard? Let's, let's start, start with low price. Okay, low price is hard. High price is easy. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like big elk, right? If you got private land and you want a four hundred inch elk, she's going to be a lot of money. If you want to pack into the Bob Marshall and get a three seventy by dragging your butt around for two weeks in a horse saddle. Probably do it for seven grand. So same thing with ibex. Your most difficult ibex um, are your ones probably the Himalayan ibex of Pakistan and the mid Asian of Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan. Because um, you got high altitude, you're hunting between at least ten thousand feet, and you can hunt them up to about fifteen. I've heard of people saying seventeen, 
but I've never hunted ibex at that high. The highest I've seen ibex is around 15, although in one of our Tajikistan polo camps, guys have shot them around 16.5, but generally they don't live there unless you spook them. But in, in general, so high altitude, cold weather, you know, these hunts are anywhere from, say, seven to $9,000. Um, and the same species lives in Kazakhstan. The mid-Asian ibex uh, is also common in Kazakhstan, and they are about... Um, uh, they're more expensive there, anywhere from about ten five to about eleven five, depending on when you go. And you can com combine those with a stag. And then your Himalayan ibex in Pakistan are a little more expensive, um, and they are usually that eleven to say fourteen thousand um, dollars. Mid Asian ibex are typically combined either with another ibex. Sometimes get, I'm going to say thirty percent of hunters, twenty percent shoot a second one. Wolf is an opportunity in all these countries. Uh, again, Kazakhstan has a stag option. Uh, Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan don't have any stags. Uh, in Tajikistan, sometimes you can add them with a boar if you hunt them closer to um, Dushan Bay. If you're hunting by the Premier Mountains by Afghanistan, there's no wild boars there, so you can't add those. There are roe deer in both Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. People can add a roe deer, but it's typically better on, on like an August or September hunt. The later season hunts, we've we've harvested a few over the years, but most guys don't really have an interest in shooting uh, roebuck um, later in the year. Um, so, and then in Pakistan, um, you can add them to a blue sheep, or typically a blue sheep would have an add-on as a Himalayan ibex. Um, but those are common, um, what do you call it, combos that we offer. And then if you go to, let's go a little more expensive one. <coughs> I guess it depends on how big it is. But let's go to one of my favorite ones in that part of the world, which is the um, the Bajor Ibex in Turkey. So we're going to jump around a little bit more. You can find those sometimes for ten or 12000 but honestly, that's not a very well-managed area. The good, the good areas, the best outfitter, uh, the, the people that I work with, and I don't like to say anybody's like the best because it, that's kind of... D depends on do you like uh, Coors Light or do you like you know Corona? Do you like you know, do you know like Blue Moon? Do you want uh, Heineken? It's it's there's cer certain things that I say are one of the best, and these guys, in my opinion, are the best I've seen in outfitting in, in that part of the world for the ibex, and their hunts start around eighteen thousand. And they're beautiful too. Those. Yeah, they go from about eighteen up to about thirty-two thousand, and um, depending on the area, the difficult. So the more difficult areas, again, the ones that are more physically challenging, the ones that the average hunter can't hike into, the ones that they can't go and do the scouting on easily. Like where I hunted mine, we hiked in through the snow, post hold it, the road was blocked in, and then we camped in caves. It took us almost two days to get to where we spotted my ibex from, so we weren't even hunting the first day and a half. Um, like those hunts are their $18,000 hunts. They're easier hunts, a little more, a uh, few more road access, uh, really tightly managed, average of about 48 to 50 inches, uh, you know, those hunts are going to be in the, around the, between the 27 to 32,000 R range. Um, and those hunts are, in my opinion, I mean, those are probably the most beautiful Ibex, you know, that you can shoot. They're also the longest average horned Ibex. So if you look at a Bajor Ibex, the average with these outfitters, depending on the area, the high end areas are probably averaging around the 48 to 50 inch mark. Um, some years they might almost average 50, other years they might do 48. They're, they're what I call their medium and more ex hard access areas are probably between 43 and 50, with the average around 44 to 45, which is still a great ibex. And, you know, I'm going to jump back to the mid-Asian ibex. We're ta I never talked about size. A typical mid-Asian ibex is going to be 42 to, say, 46 inches. And if you're hunting in Kazakhstan, you know, I would look for ones that are, say, 45 to 50. And then anything over 50 is a bonus. I mean, we, we, um, maybe one out of eight, one out of 10 will break 50 because a lot of guys miss. If guys don't miss, you probably have two out of 10 in Kazakhstan that would be 50. And in Kyrgyzstan, 
you probably have one out of 15 to one out of 20 that would be 50. And in Tajikistan, we haven't killed a 50. We've seen maybe one. Um, they are there, but in general, you're not shooting the 50s. And then your Himalayan Ibex in uh, Pakistan are going to be that, again, low 40s to mid, mid 40s. They're more similar to a Kyrgyzstan or Tajikistan animal. And all these animals are kind of a brownish color, and they have, some of them have white spatch, spotches on the back, and there's some of the mid-Asian ibex that are almost all brown, but I'd say two-thirds of them have the white on their back. And then your bajour ibex, they got the great big white, they got the unique colors. Their horns taper differently too. A bajour ibex, the horns start um, more, not as round, they're more oblong. Um, and they taper more. They don't have the mass at the ends. But ibex are not measured based, uh, based on the circumferences. They only have one base measurement and then a length. They don't divide it in four. So if you divide it in four, the mid-Asian ibex is a lot bigger. And they got a lot more corrugated ridges. So a mid-Asian ibex will also grow more consistently every year than a bajor. A bajor will grow really fast. And then by the time he's nine or ten years old, he's going to slow down. And at ten or eleven, he's either going to die almost or probably won't grow anymore. Um, a mid-Asian ibex, I've shot a 13, I've shot a 12, shot 11, and even at 12 and 13, they're growing noticeably. They don't shut down like a sheep or a bajor. A bajor would grow more like a, an argali sheep, where when they get over 8, 9, they slow down a lot. And again, after 10, it's very insignificant growth almost. Uh, you might get a little bit at 11, but most of the biggest ones are that 9 to 11 range. So the Bajor is you fly into Istanbul, and then from there you fly to one of the smaller towns. And if when you go to Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Dushanbe, uh, which is Tajikistan, uh, you fly from uh, also from Istanbul, but then you take about a four-hour flight to one of those four countries and fly to either the Almaty, uh, you fly to Bishkek, or you fly to uh, Dushanbe. And then if you fly to Pakistan to do the Himalayan Ibex, you fly to... Um, uh, I believe it's Islamabad. Um, and typically, you, you can fly either through Dubai, or I still recommend going through Turkey. I mean, everything's good, and you got to get visa. So, visa you need for Pakistan, um, visa you need for Tajikistan, no visa for Kyrgyzstan, no visa for Kazakhstan. And most of those hunts are uh, four to five, six hunting days. Uh, the the ibex in Turkey are going to be, you know, sometimes we get done in two days, sometimes it takes five or six days. There's a lot more trees and bush in Turkey. Um, in Kazakhstan, you're going to have some for forests like conifer forests, like you would hunt an elk in. Uh, Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan is almost al all alpine. It was only a couple areas that we hunt them in the bush. There's almost no forest in these countries if they're under um, above 11,000 feet, and we almost never hunt below 11 or 12. So you're almost never going to see any forest when you're hunting those those countries. Pakistan also, the animals are pretty high, um, and they're not almost never in the forest. So. Once we go from those animals, and they're not, you're not paying for size on the mid-Asians, typically Kazakhstan, depending on how people book, guys that want a cheap Kazakhstan hunt, they might book it for six or seven, but then some of the outfitters will charge two or three thousand dollar premium for bigger animals. We have a flat rate price that no matter what, if it's about 11,000, no matter if you shoot a 42 or a 52, it's the same price. And then in most of these countries, you can shoot a second Ibex for around $5,000 dollars. Um, but Turkey is different. It's a, it, each Turkish hunt is a very specific animal, and each area they have their bid. Their the, the people bid on them. Our partners, they will buy all the licenses. They kind of cooperate with other outfitters to say, "Hey, I want all the ones in this area. You guys can have these," and that way they can manage and have exclusive privileges to hunt in that area every year. And that's how they can manage for size. And that way they're not shooting seven and eight year old animals. They're letting get, them get at least nine and preferably ten and eleven when they shoot them. Where the guys in Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan kind of shoot whatever, 
Um, they don't really manage them, but it's much wilder, much bigger, more vast country. Turkey's wild uh, compared to parts of Spain, for example, but Turkey's not at all wild. Um, the Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan and, and Tajikistan areas are much, much wilder. And also some of your stuff in Pakistan can be wild. But there's a lot of hunting done in Pakistan by the villages. And Pakistan tends to be a little more of a group hunt and um, a lot less um, horseback riding. Real, real, real quick, a rain yep. man. I yep. mean, Brian Martin. Um, if, if none of you have figured this out by now, he has a wealth of information packed into his brain. Um, where's your favorite? Where's your favorite place to hunt them? I know we're going to digress. Well, I haven't hunted in Kazakhstan yet, but Kazakhstan would be interesting because you can ha hunt the the stags and the um, and the ibex. I, e easy. My favorite place to hunt. How Kyrgyzstan. hard is it to hunt Kazakhstan? It's not. It's not physically super difficult. No, but no, no, but I'm, to get there. Oh, it's easy. Same as Tajikistan. I mean, same look as at Kyrgyzstan. Me. Physically, nothing intimidates me. Uh, riding on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, alpaca would intimidate you. So the stags in Kazakhstan, they look just like an elk. What are they? They ask? are an elk. I mean, the, do they, they're, do they're, they bugle they're, or roar? They, bu bugle. they bugle. They don't roar. They're, so they're when just, they call a marl stag, so marl no, stag no, 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 no. is an elk. No, no, no. Ibex. No, I know, but we're, that's the only place you can shoot ibex with stags combo. Oh, so that's why. So, so you're like. Well, Kazakhstan has the biggest average mid Asian ibex. So the world record ibex have came from Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, and they're around 63 inches, so 61, did, how 62. How did Wapiti or Wapiti? Wapiti? Wapiti. Uh, the same way that the Indians uh, got to North America, uh, land bridge or whatever. Oh, <laughs> so they, they're, they're native. They're indigenous. Oh, yeah, they're native. Same the as Mongolia. The elk that are here are native there. Close. Indigenous. They're close. They're did they, they're did they roar you, or bugle? You could did easily you ask that. I did. Did he? Did he answer? He said they bugled. They're just essentially exactly. Like I'd say the bodies are a little grayer. The, the bodies aren't quite as yellow, but some of them are. The ones in Mongolia are quite yellow. So totally same oh, antler shape. Some of them, yeah. the ones in Kazakhstan are more crowned, more likely to crown, um, but not that often are they crowned. The ones in Mongolia look the big the big ones look just like a giant elk from like Utah or Have something. Have you shot the ones in Mongolia before? No, never seen them. A lot of video. But I was over there earlier, and so the hunting uh, elk season wasn't started. We were hunting in July, and they're not really good to shoot You've them. You've seen then. them, just not. Um, so Ibex, what, 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 what place? Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyzstan. Oh, you said. Kyrgyzstan. Well, I, honestly, where I shot my, one of my big ibex is my favorite, one of my very favorite hunts. Uh, it, it, if I could have one place to fly in with a helicopter and get dropped off and take one of those little rafts, I would go there because I would come out uh, with two ibex between fifty and sixty inches every time. No way. But I've heard it turned into a national park. Who knows? I don't know for Why sure. Why don't we go there? Uh, because if it's a national park, it's not a good idea. But if it's not, it's a good idea. So why did more guys do it? Is it uh, because where I went, they'd never been there. Even the local guy never hunt, hiked where I had. Only like, so like truckers. So Ibex there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know how scared the Ibex were, cause, but when so I came out, I walked by some Ibex and just looked at me at 200 yards. Because they had no idea. They'd never seen they, me. No, they were younger ones. I, maybe the big one would have seen me and ran, but I don't give them the chance to see me. I don't take the risk. But I assume after I shot him and after I were saw the on other your ones, own? I was with one young guy, about 24 year old kid. So, 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 so it would be ba actually interesting to me. And I, I think you sitting there listening might be interested in this too. 
I, I know you spend like last week. You're you spent you spent a lot of time over there. You're not the average Asian guy that goes. I got some partners. You actually go over there. You live there. You're amongst them. You know all the stuff. I, actually, you don't know how many people I've heard say, "Oh yeah, Brian Martin helped me. I was getting on an airplane, and we had a couple of them last year." Yeah, I know who Brian Martin is. He helped us. We were in Mongolia with uh, another, or not Mongolia, but we were over in Istanbul with somebody else, and he said, "Well, you couldn't get on the plane that way." So you're always willing to give advice, which is well, I think that's so the way the world works. You should help. I mean, you should yeah, help each other out well, when you when you when, when, when you when you know something is obvious and you see a guy making an obvious mistake, right? Yeah, it's not like it's peeing actually, on an electric fence, right? Probably not a good idea. Yeah, well, it's it's only a good idea to tell the little kids to do it yeah. when you've been uh, through <laughs> yeah. the through the issue. Yeah, but he, he, I guess here's my point. Um, so you go over there and you have no problem just going. Okay, this is no different than Canada. Well, t- well today I have a little off. bit of a problem, but no, usually no. I understand no. that. <laughs> the scamdemic has slowed us down. Oh wait. They're going to shut me down on Twitter because I call it a scamdemic. Now, hunting is hunting anywhere in the world. I mean, it's mountain hunting. You take the same type of gear, except it's drier and colder. And so you just go. You don't have the rain you do in Alaska. you find these territories and you find these areas. You go hunt with people. And you're not, you do just like you do in Canada, just like you do in the U.S., you're not afraid to push back into further in no and now now that I know the country's better I know where you can and can't you know every it's no different than a lot of outfitters and guides in North America most people think they had the best areas and there's a few guys who'll say you know what I have a good area but if you want the best go talk to Bob this is what you want he's got it and there's a few outfitters and guides and hunters that will do that but most people want to think they have the best area hunt in the best area um, know the best places. And over there, there's a lot of good places, but if you want the giant animals, you got to get age. You have to get at least 10, 11 years old age to get the giant ibex. And if you want over 50 inch plus, for sure 11 plus, you might get the odd one that's 10 years old that'll be 50. But in general, in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, you got to have older animals. Now, you might get a bajor in Turkey that's giant at nine, but uh, uh, a Turkish ibex is different, like I said, than the Kazakhstan ones. So my favorite trip I ever did was a, a trip. I, easy to remember when it was. It was October of 2012. It was the year that we had a hurricane in uh, New York. And my client was from New York. And he was a painting contractor. And um, I, I helped him. I spotted some big animals in there. I didn't charge him to go along. And we agreed that if he sh- he'd shoot, shoot one, he would give me his gun and I would go hunting. Because all my gear, a lot of my gear didn't make it. I had one duffel bag that didn't show up. So I had one pair of gloves that I brought in my carry-on, one hat. My boots. I had, I think, no rain gear, um, no walking sticks, uh, no spotting scope or tripod. So when he got done with his hunt, I grabbed his gun, his spotting scope and tripod, one of his walking sticks. Luckily, I had my pack, my sleeping bag, and my tent, my Hilleberg tent. And one of the guides and I took off, and we climbed. Um, what kind of tent? Hilleberg tent. Okay. That was a shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, we climbed up from about 8,100 feet to 13,1, and we spent the night on the ridge that night. And then we walked through the pass the next day and um, didn't find it. I found lots of good ones. It turned down lots of high 40s, maybe 150. Crossed, crossed the creek. I wanted to go up the other side and keep going, but it was pretty, pretty treacherous. And I couldn't walk the creek. There was too much ice and cactus in it. That creek was pretty narrow and it was pretty miserable. So I said, let's go back up this way. And we hunted this section. So the next day, that night, I spotted some big ibex. And there was, you know, we figured it one or two 50s. And then the next morning we got up and I found them again. And um, we killed him um, probably midday, him. And he was 54. And so I thought he was 51, 52. I didn't know he was so big. And so there was for sure one or two other 50s in the group. And I remember I sat up there after we killed him because I loved to look. And I could look on every big mountain 
for about 10 to 15 miles. And now at 15 miles, I might have been, but out to six or seven, I could see big billies on every major mountain range. And there's one, one big mountain range no with fingers way. coming down. And I saw multiple giants, but I don't know how big they were. But they were just giants, and they were very plentiful. And you know right where that's at. Oh, easy. I could you could take me tomorrow. Mm, long hike, but we'd probably – only way you get there is a helicopter. We actually tried to get there, and the, and the trail Can had washed out. Helicopter? Could I organize that with you? Yeah, if it's us? open for hunting. Yeah. But that's, it was the coolest place I've ever seen. It's the biggest animals because I only – Was my, there any sheep in there? Uh, no. You're about 70 miles east of the nearest sheep that I know of. Okay. So, yeah, and it's so it's in eastern uh, Kazakhstan. So I mean, Brad, eastern Kyrgyzstan. Brad wouldn't be able to make it, but, but I could get there. But that was probably the coolest. Then I hunted another place that they don't. We hunted a couple other places that now their hunting's closed in Kyrgyzstan that had some giants. They've seen and killed uh, up, to, up to close to 60 inches. So, anyway, for big ibex, it's pretty hard to be 60 inches. Yeah. That's pretty I cool. killed the two biggest I've ever seen. So, and, um, okay, so I have a lot of money. I want to go to Spain. Where do I go? Obviously, well, with us. But well, Spain's different. Let's focus. We'll focus on uh, Asia still. Okay, let's do. We it. don't want to jump to Spain because that's like over in the west. It's a whole different deal, too. Yeah. Um, so we got the we got the big big ibex in, in Turkey t- taken care. of. We got the big mid Asian ibex, which every which is ninety percent of the hunters call me want a mid Asian ibex. The younger guys, the older guys, want a Spanish ibex. So while we're over in the stands, we can you can hunt the Persian ibex in Iran, but it's not currently open. But the Persian ibex is the same ibex that you see in the, Flor- the Floridians or uh, Florida Mountains in, in New Mexico. It's the same ones. People think they're the Bajor, but they're actually the, the little smaller brother. Um, they look very similar. There's the stripe and everything, but it's a smaller animal. And uh, those are in Iran. And then if you jump back into Pakistan, you have another species of ibex. They're called the Sind ibex. It's a little, I call it the little desert dweller. It's like a big one would be 44, 43, 45 would be really big. I've never seen a 50-inch Sind. Maybe they've happened, but I don't know anybody that shot one. Um, the ones, the Persian Ibex, there's been a few in the high 40s and low 50s shot in New Mexico, so they can get big. And then you have a couple of different species of Ibex that have that same strap around them, like uh, the ones in the Persian and the uh, Bajor. And that's the Mid-Asian that has the strap. No, no, no strap. Mid-Asian is a back patch, saddle. Oh, okay. The strap is the Persians, the Bajors, and then you get the Nubian Ibex, which are in Northeast Africa, and they go up into Israel. I wonder if the ones in Israel are Jewish mu- ones and the ones in Israel are Muslim ones. I Maybe just, they don't care. But anyway, um, the ones in Sudan are... are they're they're Lutheran. They're Lutheran. They're, they're good method. Lutheran. They're from, they're from Iowa. They're well, from rural route somewhere Iowa. I doubt, they've, I, de- I, de- the, I doubt they've had seen any missionaries for a few hundred years. Protestants, man. They're Protestants. Have you, have you, ever, uh, so have the, you ever hunted in Iran? You've never been to Iran. No, I haven't been. But the Nubian Ibex are over in the eastern. So there's going to be some legal hunting for the Nubian ibex, and I've heard they're going to be around eleven to 13,000. And they're a beautiful desert dweller. And there's some big ones. I've seen photos of them that are probably pushing 50 inches. And then you go to Macedonia and Greece, and then that's where you have the Cree-Cree ibex. And, uh, the those Cree-Cree? The Cree-Cree. They're small, like usually in the 30 inches range. And they're beautiful little ibex, but a lot of those are one-day hunts where you have to go on the island and come back. And then Macedonia actually has a proper hunt where you can hunt private estates and, um, and hunt them for, I believe, like, wherever long it takes to kill one. But based on what I know, I would probably go to Macedonia. That'd be a good one to take your wife on and have a vacation. Yeah, I mean, it can be because most of those hunts are a couple-day hunts. And then while you're, now while we're over there, we can jump over into Russia. And Russia has a, a type of an animal. It's kind of like an Altai, it's like an Altai ibex or a Siberian ibex. 
And there's one big gorge there where there's a big hydro place. There's lots of them there. Um, and then... Where, where, which sheep would that be by? Which sheep species? Um, it's kind of closest to Mongolia. So there's really not a sheep right mm -hmm. there. It would be close to the Argolis. And then if you jump over into Mongolia, which is just on the southeast side of the Siberia, uh, you run into the Altai Ibex. Um, and then you run into the Gobi Ibex further south, like south of Ulaanbaatar in the southern part of the province of uh, Mongolia. And they go into the Gobi Desert. They go right up to the China border. And those animals are pretty amazing, um, uh, both of them. So a, a good Gobi would be high 30s to low 40s. And a good Altai would be, say, 43 to 48. Uh, the average Altai would be probably 44, 45. Average Gobi would be probably 38, 39 inches. Um, but the, the cool thing about those animals is that the Gobi Ibex, you, you don't have to go to high altitude to hunt them. And same with those Siberian ones in Russia. They're not that high. The Altai can go up to maybe 10, 11,000 feet, which is still relatively low. And that's also a horseback hunt for the Altais. <coughs> and the Gobi is usually a foot hunt because there's not much for horses there. And the small mountain ranges that you can access with Jeeps and, and uh, motorcycles and, and, and foot. Very easy. I've seen hunters that would, that's a great bow hunt. For guys that want to do it, probably be the Gobi Ibex. Even the Altai would be a good bow hunt um, if guys like to do that. The the Ibex and and uh, speaking of bows, I would not probably try and do do much bow hunting in Pakistan or in Iran, although it's possible. Turkey, you can do it, but it's they're also a little bit tricky. Um, and then the Kree Kree, I believe. Uh, I don't know if. I mean, pe that's more of a collector's hunt. The what? The Cree-Cree Ibex. I don't know if I'd encourage most people to hunt the Cree-Cree unless they wanted to go to Greece or Macedonia and have other shot other... Greece? I wouldn't mind going to see I would the like old... Because uh, I don't Greece. think it's I'd much like of a hunt. I'd like to see Greece, too. It's, I don't think it's more of a collector's hunt because it's a one-day or half-a-day hunt. But it's cool. I know guys have gone, and, and I have lots of intel on it when, when we have guys that want to do it. I went squirrel hunting it usually in the, in the forest The flying squirrel, or is it a running squirrel? You know what? They're, uh, no, it's a, it's a big fox squirrel. They're good eating. Oh, they are, and they're fun to shoot. They're great to shoot. Uh, some of those squirrels are tough, but anyway, back to the, the squirrel ibex, which would be the Cree Cree. Um, no, I mean, the Cree Cree is an you awesome little... You just like little saying Cree Cree. Uh, not really. I okay. like saying Nubian better because it's harder to say. Nubian. Yep. Um, and then if you jump over to Europe, <laughs> <laughs> we can go to the Alpine ibex, which is in Switzerland and Austria. And those are nice ibex, but you're, but then again, you're getting into where you're starting paying for the size. Oh. So if you're hunting the Nubians, um, you know, which is not open, I'm sure they're not going to have a size restriction. They're not going to have size other than some places in Turkey, but everything in Austria and Switzerland is size dependent. So if you shoot like an 80 centimeter or you shoot a 90 centimeter, is a huge different in price. And a 100 centimeter, which is 39 inches, would be giant price. You're probably in excess of thirty thousand. So those hunts in uh, in Austria and Switzerland are probably going to start at twelve to fifteen and go up. Um, Austria has both free range and estate hunting, and most all of Switzerland is 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 a free range hunting. Is the free range hunting pretty uh, a good quality trophy, or is it like? Oh, it's the the ones well, in 39, Austria. Thirty nine, thirty nine inches. That's no, but he uh, said there's free ranging and private. So, you said so Switzerland. So can you get a thirty nine inch on a free range hunt in that area for probably forty grand? It would nice. be probably close to world record size. In free range? Yeah. Who do you have to pay the 40? Wait a second. Free range, public land or not? That's all public land, but it's estates and it's controlled by gamekeepers. And uh, I don't know who decides all the pricing. Grand. Yeah, that's awfully. Yeah, that's, that's but it, I'd recommend just shooting a high, a mid to high 80s, you know, something in the like that 32 to 35, 36 inch range. More than 36 inches. So 
um, 100 centimeters is 39 inches, and, and 90 centimeters is going to be 35 inches. So between 80 and 90 centimeters is going to be affordable. Um, so, but if guys want big ones, they can do it. It's a very old animal. They live a long age. I mean, a lot of those animals will be 12, 13, 14 years old. So um, these countries, are, it's not wild like Canada. It's beautiful. It's big mountains. But most people know where these animals are, and they kind of try and let them get a certain size before they shoot them. So we're in Kyrgyzstan. You don't, these big ibex we've shot, I've never seen them before. I mean, maybe the guide saw them once or, or twice, but like the ibex I've shot, nobody's ever seen them. Asia's wilder. Asia's much wilder. It's just a whole different deal. Yeah, you? and the thing about Asia, you have the you have China border, and so China borders all these stands. It borders, it borders Mongolia, then it borders Kazakhstan, it borders Kyrgyzstan, it borders Tajikistan. So for, and so every all these animals that live in those stands also go back and forth into China, and so China is a really a wealth. China is the single best hunting place, really in the world for mountain animals, but it's not open to hunting it currently. And there's different reasons why. Uh, we don't know for sure, but some people say <coughs> they just don't want to deal with it. It's such a small part of Is the economy. Chi China, right? Yeah, it's such a small yeah. part of the economy. The they don't really want to deal with it. And I don't yeah. think they want to deal with Westerners seeing how they do things. The I've heard they don't. They, 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 some of the cities you have to access in northern China to get to these mountains would be, like people had said, it would be dirty and a lot of, a lot of big industry there where they're mining and getting stuff out of the ground. And they just don't want the Westerns to see that is what I've been told. And they don't want to have to deal with the guns and the permits. But so anyway, so we got the uh, we got the the Ibex in the very far west, which is Switzerland, Austria. And then if you jump over to um, uh, Spain, that's where most people think about Ibex in Europe. And you have four species. You have um, if you go to Madrid, which is the biggest city in Spain, it's kind of in the center. You know, more towards the north is Barcelona. So. East of Madrid and northeast of Madrid is what you call the Bassetti Ibex, which is the most common Ibex in Spain. Um, that's the one I recommend most people hunt if they only hunt one. Beautiful animal. Um, they're, they're big. Like a, a world record size would be over 40 inches, but something in that high 30s uh, would be like world, world class, mid to high 30s. Um, high 20s would be a good one. And low 30s would be very good. So they typically break them down, bronze medal, gold medal, and, well, silver medals in the middle, and then a representative animal. Um, and then you go to the Grados Ibex, which is west of there, and that's probably the most expensive of your Spanish Ibex, and typically slightly the biggest by probably a couple inches. And they're a little darker. They're the more black Ibex, and their horns are shaped, I, I, I say, they're kind of like a Harley, Harley, uh, <laughs> Harley handlebars. They come back, and you can kind of grab a hold of them where the Bassetti, the points are sticking more out, a little wider. Um, but they're they're black, and and again you can you can break forty inches. The last hunter I went with, I think his was thirty five or thirty seven, and uh, it was a really big one. But I know guys that have killed forties. Um, and again, you're paying on high price for the big ones. So typically, a a, a representative animal would be down. I mean, it could be under ten thousand. It could be six or seven thousand. A bronze is typically going to be between say eight and twelve thousand. A silver medal is going to be between say ten and thirteen, maybe fourteen. Um, and so a silver medal would be very good. I tell most people to shoot a silver medal because that's a good value in price and a good a good value in size and, and, and look has a nice look to it. And they're typically also an older animal. And your gold medals are typically at least 11 or 12 years old, and they can sometimes reach 17. Most of the big gold medals that I've been around are going to be between 13 and 16 years old. And gold medals usually start in the low 20s. Once in a while you'll have an area that's a difficult rough area. They, you might get one for the mid-teens. But most of the places where you can guarantee a guy a gold medal, 
they've been animals been watched and kind of grown for you know years and you know you're going to be paying in excess of 20,000 and the really big ones you know mid 20s some outfitters set price if it's a gold medal as long as it's not like a top 10 is going to be a certain price other ones do it by the centimeter of the inch so that's a that's a problem for some people uh, so in Spain, you also like Turkey, you want to go with an outfitter who controls almost all the tags in an area. That way, if he only kills two animals a year and this guy, this outfitter kills two and this guy kills two and this resident kills three, you don't have any way to manage it. So you might be saving a big Ibex for three years and some guy comes in and shoots it. So the, the key and what, what costs you more money in, in places like Spain and Turkey is the ability for the outfitter to manage the animals and not shoot stuff um, just to kill it. Um, he's shooting it only when it's a certain size. And if they shoot younger animals, it's on management or the females, and they're trying to shoot bad genetics, like a, a younger animal that will never be big. They don't ever shoot a seven or eight-year-old Ibex that's going to be a giant. So the trophy Ibex has to be at least eight years old. You can't be shooting a trophy Ibex that has good genetics when it's younger. Um, it's just not legal to do there. And then you have the two other species. You have the southeastern, which is like it says, lives in the southeast part of uh, Spain. It's south of um, Madrid, quite a few hours, and, and near Malaga, uh, which is on the coast. And you're hunting kind in those areas that have a lot of orchards, tomato orchards and vineyards and stuff around it. And I've been on a couple hunts for those animals, and those are beautiful. They're the third biggest. So the biggest is the Grados. The second biggest is the Besady. The third is the Southeast. And then you have the Ronda Ibex, uh, which is like the Western Ibex. And it's, it's kind of southwest instead of southeast. And they're, they're very fairly close to the southeastern. And they can, they can intermingle in places. And if they intermingle, they're supposed to be considered a southeastern. Just like if a blacktail intermingles with a mule deer, they're considered a, a mule deer. You can't squirm as a blacktail. And the ronder, they're probably the least plentiful. And, and they're very handsome little guys. But they're probably about two-thirds, half to two-thirds as big as, a, as a, say, a Bissetti or ronda. And they have a distinct color. And the horns have a different shape. Um, they all have slightly different shapes, and uh, to me, the easiest ones to tell is obviously a big grados because they're the black. The southeastern can look somewhat similar to a Bassetti if it's big, but definitely a different horn shape. Um, but you, if you see them side by side and you get an average of each one, you can see the difference for sure. But they're not like a mid-Asian versus a, a Turkish ibex. There's a huge difference in those animals. So they do have similar characteristics, but they're definitely different and definitely four different species. And in Spain, you can combine the, the ibex with chamois. Sometimes you can combine them with a mouflon. You can do them with stags. Um, you can do them with awdad, which are very small there, but you can do that. And you can do driven hunts. Again, for usually stags or boars, or, and they have roe deer. I believe they have two species of chamois in Spain. So Spain's a very nice country to hunt, but you're not going to have your ass handed to you in general like you would on a mid-Asian ibex hunt. So Spain can be hard. I've had a couple hard hunts that were 4,000 vertical foot days in the southeastern part, but in general, Spain is not that hard. Um, I mean, my outfitting partners say, Brian, don't tell, don't tell everybody it's not hard because sometimes it is. But I said, well, how is it going to be hard when you have the maximum drive to the airport is two hours? The maximum, you know, climb is going to be three to 4,000 feet, and that's only, like, uh, on the most. And I said, you have, if you miss this animal, you have multiple other opportunities. You don't have to ride a horse in the dark. You don't have to sleep in the, out in the, in the snow. You don't have to do any of that stuff. We'll so probably I said sell it's not a lot hard. of those. A Spanish Ibex is a, it's fun. It's like it's nice to go on a hunt where you don't have your ass handed to you all the time. Um, because the other hunts, those mid-Asian ibex, I like those hunts. Well, that's that's another difficult. one that you can take your wife on. No. The, the the best one, number one for the wifey, 
or the, the girlfriend or your kids or your buddy who's just kind of soft and wants, always wants to go hunting with you. So I want to go hunt with you in Asia. And you look at him and go, well, you might die. I'm not taking you. But you can go to, you can go to take him to Spain. Have you actually told people that? I tell people everything. It doesn't matter. I'm, I have no filter. <laughs> I guess maybe right? you don't. Yeah, you do. Beep, he's here. Yeah. Bleep. Bleep. Bleep's here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you were going to pick a top three, because, I mean, you can get lost in this. And the well, neat thing about Ibex is kind of the mountain hunting in my world. Yeah. But that just because it's in my world doesn't mean it's in somebody else's world. That's, you might want to civilize. That's what easy. What do you mean your world? You mean like, like what, what like I would Brad's dream world, about? Like what's in your head? What's in my that's head? Scary sh- that's oh, easy, yeah. actually. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, you get some yeah, gnarly His crap. head is a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah the no-brainer. So, so what would the top? What would you say top three start? You know how you top start three if you want big. Island. Really good question. If you want big, wild, and affordable, and you're somewhat tough yes, and adventuresome, those, those then go to mid Asian and one of the three countries. Wh- which one would be the best? It's not the best. Big, the the wild biggest is Kazakhstan, but the, if you don't like if you don't like horses, then go to Tajikistan because you're going to ride horses in Kyrgyzstan. In Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan horses, Kyrgyzstan horses, Tajikistan no horses. Well, I like horses. Yeah, so Tajikistan is too hard for you guys. You're over the hill for Tajikistan. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I um, thought you booked me for a, or you're booking me. I just saw a contract to go to uh, Tajikistan. Yeah, but those well, are then, the small. You're not going to try and shoot a 50 inch. You're just going to be happy with a 40 there. Oh, is that how that works? And yeah. I'm going to kill a. Um, Which where the really Marco big Marco Polo. Polo is, we don't usually shoot giant eyes. See, what I look at is the uh, the opportunity of an adventure. You know, it's well, always nice to have more than one tag in your pocket. Well, that you get say you shoot say you shoot your Marco Polo on the first day. Now you have this so great you think going to Custer in a truck's an adventure, so we better qualify this. Well, for no, example. No, no, I think that's <laughs> an opportunity. Well, it's a combo that's hunt. 70 Ibex, miles away. Ibex is um, a great. I'm teasing you. I know. Ibex is a great combo with any of your Agrali species, your Marco Polo. Is it a great lead species? Yeah, it depends on your budget. I mean, if you are a young guy and you want to hunt Asian, you've always been drooling over the sheep, but you can't afford it for five more years, then go Ibex hunting. Yeah, that's a cool thing because you can go Ibex hunting. Go I Ibex mean, hunting five times for the price of a Marco Polo. Right. And, and you get the adventure. You get the same adventure. That's what's You get actually so more adventure sometimes yeah. because it's a longer, little bit of a, a longer harder, season a and a little harder. Then why am I going Marco Polo hunting? Because it's a sheep. The same reason you buy a Ferrari. You don't have to buy a Ferrari. A Mustang will work, but a Ferrari is a Ferrari. <laughs> I don't even want a Ferrari. Give I do like the sheep. Because I, a lot of guys, what you'll find is they hunt sheep. They always want an Argali or Marco Polo, and then they shoot the little. Uh, they shoot a big ibex or even a medium so sized Kyr- one. So Kyrgyzstan would be like uh, one of the top three. Well, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan. I gr- I do that group. They're they're they're, they're the same. Same species, same. slightly different styles. That species, you know, they're all within about three grand in price. All the animals on average are in the 40s, and then the only place you can consistently shoot a 50 if you're good is Kazakhstan. The next place for me is the Turkish Ibex, because if you're a guy that could almost afford a sheep or wants the biggest, he's an Ibex addict, then you need to hunt turkey, because beautiful animals. If you're super fit, you can do hunts for under 20 grand. If you're somewhat fit or have to have a, a chance at a 50, you can pay around that 30, or 30 plus um, and hunt turkey, which is a beautiful animal. And then the other one is Spain. And the reason Spain is you have four species, you have a long season, uh, both Turkey and Spain, they start hunting them in October. Uh, Turkey ends in March, Spain ends in May. So you got giant long seasons. Your Tajikistan season ends end of February. Where, where at in Turkey? What, where do you fly into? So you, you, everything is based in Istanbul, and then from there you either go to Adana in or you go to a, a, a Antalya. Yeah, and then Spain, you generally always start in Madrid, and from there you go out. Sometimes I go right to Malaga. 
if I'm going to hunt either the Ronda or the um, southeastern, I might go to Malaga. And it's a southeastern town, not too far from Morocco, across the strait. And uh, nice place, pretty decent beaches, southern Spain. Southern Spain's more easy going and less industrialized in northern Spain. That's pretty cool. But f- probably you would say, would you not say and agree with me on this, that you should put Ibex, if you're a mountain hunter, you should put Ibex on your bucket list. It's better than the sheep for the yeah. money. Yeah, I, I even think a big mid-Asian Ibex. A couple. A, bid, a, bid, a big mid-Asian Ibex is more impressive than a tour. Right. Really? Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, and plus yeah. it's... And they smell... Tour, I mean, tour, in my opinion, is almost like a hybrid. I mean, like the Dagestan tour is more of an Ibex. I mean, more of a sheep. And then the mid-Caucasian tour and the Western tour, which I didn't even talk about. I consider them, if you look at them, they got ridges on their horns like Ibex. And to me, they I don't know if they smell quite as bad, but they're almost like truly almost like a hybrid. And, and, and you, so you can throw yeah. those in, which is in Russia, which is between uh, northwest of Azerbaijan and the Caucasus Mountains, east of Sochi. And Georgia and that country is where those animals are at. The Caucasus, so they don't have the high altitude there, but they're really rough. The Caucasus Mountains go up to about eleven or 12,000 feet, and they're super rough. Right. And those are physically very difficult. And you can use horses some to get to elevation, but you still got to go on the f- foot sometimes. It's just super, super steep. Most too. guys only hunt it once. Steep. Most guys will hunt a, 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 a tour and, and, and have a huge butt pucker factor, and so that's the last time I've ever doing that. But other guys like it. Guys that are sheep addicts and don't have a budget should hunt tour and ibex, mid-Asian ibex every year. I mean, if I if I didn't have all the variety in places to go guide people, I would just go hunt and tour and mid-Asian ibex every year and be consider myself lucky, because those are great animals, great values. You can hunt multiple countries and multiple camps. You can hunt them, the tour in Russia. You can hunt them in Azerbaijan. You can hunt those mid-Asian ibex in three countries. And really, the Pakistan ibex, the Himalayan, is basically a mid-Asian. If I set them side by side, most people cannot tell the difference. So it's not like a bajor. And I love the bajor, but you probably only hunt them once or twice. They're more expensive and not as much adventure. Yeah, that's awesome. So there you go. Well, cool. That's a lot to digest that's about that, Ibex. Huh? That, that was an immense amount of data in a 44-and-a-half-minute uh, moment. But you know what, Brian? Great job. Seriously, uh, for, for me personally, uh, I would need to listen to this podcast two, three times. To get all that, and I jumped around a little bit because you always think mm-hmm. of something else. But yeah, but but you you stayed pretty good, and 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 I would encourage it. Let's do it two three times. Get a hold of us one six zero five six four four eight thousand one six zero five six four four eight thousand. How about the one nine hundred big ibex? We should one get that nine, number. We should own one nine hundred nine, and then you could answer, "Hello, big ibex guide. Can I help you?" One six zero five six four four eight thousand one six zero five six four four eight thousand. Give us a shout, or go ahead and give us a email at rbo uh, info at rbohome.com. Is that right? Yeah, rbo I, info uh, at uh, rbo. You pretty much screwed that up. That was hard to follow. What's our email again? One eight hundred big ibex. RBO home that that probably calls our and competitor. You, and if you're going to do it during the rutting season, one nine hundred big info Ibex. at RBO home. Info at rbohome.com. Info at rbohome.com or six zero five six four four eight thousand. Give us a call. We'd love to help you. Uh, and uh, if Brian Martin's not here, Brad will talk to you about Asian Ibex or something. So we'd love to have a conversation with you. Hope this helps you. Stay safe. Be healthy. And forever remember, COVID's a scam.